a person by the name of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter, uh, you know, we know him as, you know, a disciple that, you know, sometimes didn't listen. We know him as a disciple that, you know, sometimes uh, said the wrong things. Um, we know him as a disciple that denied Christ. But there's a lot of great things about Simon Peter. And that's some of the things we're looking at um, as we talk about Simon Peter and as we talk about what he needed to do to actually be a disciple. You know, what he had to conquer in his own life. You know, so it's, that, that's, that, and that's important. And so we and just kind of give an overview of the lesson because we're actually catching up on this lesson. Um, it's catching fish or catching men. And uh, so, first off, you know, um, who was Simon Peter's brother? Just somebody, anybody? Andrew, Andrew right. And uh, whose house did Jesus visit? What's that? Yeah, Peter. Peter's, yes. All right. And... And, uh, and he did. He, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Absolutely right. And uh, what was Peter's occupation? This one's the easy one, right? Fishing, right. I saw that. Um, and whose boat did Jesus use to be able to teach the multitude? It was? Very good. Thank you. <laughs> and... Okay, so now we're to the part of Peter's dilemma. All of us have dilemmas in life. We have things we have to think about in life. Um, we have different um, ideas that we're thinking about. And so Peter's dilemma, what was Peter's dilemma? He had years of fishing. He knew how to fish. And he was listening to a great sermon from Christ. And then Jesus gets done. And, you know, when you get done, you're supposed to pray. And you're supposed to go home, right? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? That did happen. Peter, Jesus looked over at Peter and said, hey, I want you to uh, launch out to the deep. Peter's looking at Christ going, what? What's going on? What, what are you talking about? I have fished all night. I am really tired. He goes, launch out to the deep and let down your nets. And Peter's going, huh? This wasn't part of the sermon. What's going on here? So Peter has a dilemma. He really likes this person. Is Peter the disciple of Christ yet? Yes or no? Is he the disciple? No, he's not. Is he even a follower? Maybe. Does he have a great admiration for Christ? Oh, yeah, he does. I mean, you know, his mother-in-law was healed. He's already seen a bunch of people healed, you know, far as, uh, you know, the people coming to Christ. And he's already seen miracles happen. He's already heard of the miracles that happened in Nazareth. So, I mean, he is like, hey, this, this, this guy's okay. I mean, you don't just let somebody into your boat, do you? 
So he had some admiration for Christ, didn't he? So let me paint the picture. Peter, James, and John, and, and Andrew fished all night, caught nothing. They were dead tired. They were mending nets when, when uh, Christ was walking along the seashore, and then he got in the Peter's boat. Um, Peter stopped what he was doing. I mean, he stopped his work just to let Jesus in his boat. Now Jesus is telling him, launch out to the deep and let down your nets? Huge dilemma for Peter. Was Jesus known as a fisherman? No, he was known as a carpenter. That's what he did. That's what his father did. So this is kind of strange. So let's go on, go on and we, I think we talked a little bit about this last, the last lesson. But uh, um, did Peter think anything was going to happen when he let down the net? Remember, it's daytime. You don't fish in the daytime. You fish at the nighttime. If you fish in the daytime, you don't catch very much. So when he let down a net... Did he think anything was going to happen? Probably not. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the big thing. Did Peter follow what Christ asked? Somewhat. Yes and no. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. Yes and no. He did follow what Christ asked and and, it, and it, is that, was that good? Yes, it was. Did he need to do that? Yes, he did. Do we need to follow what Christ asked us to do? Yes, we do. So in this instance, he did what Christ asked. He didn't do all what Christ asked. He did somewhat what Christ asked. Because when Christ asked him to let down the nets, plural, the Bible says he let down one net, singular. We've already gone over what fishing was and how they fished. So I'm not going to go over that again. But basically, they'd throw a net out into the water. There'd be weights that weighed it down. They'd pit in, and then they pulled the net up, and it would pick up the fish. All right. We won't go into the, all the details. Peter had to put away every excuse that came into his mind. His thinking, his feelings, his experience. He had to conquer his self to do, do, to do what Christ asked. He had to forget about his being tired. He had to dis, disregard his own ego. And again, the very last thing I... I spoke about, I believe, the last time, was this an act of faith? What is an act of faith? I've kind of put down some, some thoughts here, and it's, it, it's in your handout. The act of faith consists, in its essence, not in religious feelings or thoughts, but an act that exceeds and transcends human feelings, limitations, and sometimes human knowledge. Religious feelings may uh, um, 
accompany our act of faith that we live today, the religious thoughts may bring us closer to the world of faith, but really, to get to God, know God, step by step, in, in, in His majesty and His glory, it's necessary that we step out in acts of faith. That's so important to understand as a Christian. How do we step out in acts of faith? Jesus was acting Peter in this, to step out of act of faith. How many nets were lowered into the water? It was one. Was Peter in the boat alone with Jesus? He was not. Who else did he have in the boat with him? At least Andrew. At least Andrew. What happened to the net in Luke chapter 5, verse 6? Let's go ahead and read that. Who has Luke chapter 5, verse 6? Stefan. Our net broke. So what happened to the net? The net broke. Why did it break? Because it says a great multitude of fishes. Wait a second. This is daytime. This is not nighttime. This is daytime. There's not supposed to be any fish out there. Do you think that since the boat was sitting on the shore where it was, that that area had already been fished? I think so. What happened when I was trout fishing and somebody else was already fishing in a spot? And they all of a sudden left that spot and I came up on them. Do you think I sat and cast my line into that spot thinking that I was going to catch anything? No. That hole, as far as I was concerned, was fished out. And I was running to the next spot before the other guy could get, before the other guy could get there so I could actually catch some fish. I was going, man, <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> and I'm going to that next spot because I know the river. I know where the fish are. And I know... That was a great spot, man. He got there before I did. I got to get to the next one before it gets there. So Peter's thinking, I've already, we've already fished to this spot. And it was nighttime. And nighttime the fish come out, daytime the fish don't. I'll let down the net. I'll just, uh, you know, humor you. I appreciate you telling me to let down the net. Um, I admire you, but, you know, you're not a fisherman. You're a carpenter. But I'll let down the net because... You asked me to. All of a sudden, that net is let down. There's a multitude of fishes. The net breaks. How many times do you think the net broke for these fishermen? Not very many times. They made a strong net. They didn't want the net to break. What would happen if the net broke? The fish get away. Are they professionals? Yes, they are. So, uh, no, no, no. You, don't, you want to make a strong net. 
you have to have a strong net because otherwise the net's going to, you know, you don't want the net to break, right? So Luke 5, 7, who has that one? Luke 5, 7. Somebody, Luke 5, 7. Yes. So who were their partners? James and John. Peter need help? He did. He needed help to get those fish. Then that broke. What do I do? I got to, you know what I have to do? There's a bunch of fish there. So you know what I need to do? Like what Christ told me to do in the first place? I need to get these other nets. I'm losing fish. This is my job. I can sell these. So I need to get the other nets, and I need to throw them in, and I need to get my partners, and they need to come out and get their nets because there's a multitude of fish, and we don't know how many fish there are, but there's a ton. So James and John went out. How many fish were caught that day. Do we know? Does the Bible tell us? How many? A great multitude. multitude. So, how about 3,000? 5,000? 10,000? It was enough to make one net break. That's how many it was. And they had to get a whole bunch more nets. The story shows us that the acts of faith can be rewarded, which is kind of neat to see. If we step out in an act of faith, if God wants us to do an act of faith, we can have, we can have rewards. When the Lord does something, does, it do, does He do it halfway? Peter and the apostles can now experience a joy and astonishment that everyone can experience when they step out with acts of faith to do God's will. All expectations were exceeded. The nets broke. The boat sank. And the best teacher, Jesus, knew how to deal with those fishermen. What did Jesus do before this? He healed many people, right? What did he do so the fishermen would follow him? He used their own trade. He showed them a miracle that they had never seen before. And it was in the daytime, not the nighttime. It transcended everything they could think of because this shouldn't have happened. And he used it so they would understand who he was and what he was about. And finally, Peter says, yes, you're the son of God. Wow. 
Ooh. How about Luke 5.8? This is a really funny one. This is really interesting. Sweetheart, would you read that for me? Luke 5.8. Oh, my word. I have just, I am a very proud person. I'm a fisherman. I'm really good at what I do. And as you can see, Peter was a very proud person. I have just got the catch of my life. I am going to be able to sell these. I mean, this is great. I've got to take these to the market. I've got to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this should have been the reaction. Except Jesus had preached a sermon in the boat before this happened. What do you think Jesus preached? We don't know. We don't know. But evidently he preached something that convicted Peter so much that when he had the catch of his life, when he had the best thing that could have ever happened to him, he wasn't worried about the fish. He was worried about his soul. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Wow. How do we get saved? Do we say, forgive me of my sins? Is that what we say? Was that Peter's prayer to Christ? I do believe it was. I believe something at this point in time happened to Peter. I believe that since he was obedient in what Christ asked him to do, now he was ready to really follow Christ. I believe this is when he first became a disciple. Not when he followed Christ, because Jesus said, follow me after a little while. But I think this is really when he became a disciple. I believe this is truly when he got saved. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinner. I'm in, need of a, I'm in need of salvation. And Peter, at that wonderful moment, fell at Jesus' feet and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Christ could have gone, yep, yep, you are. I'm gone. You know. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. In Luke 5.10, tells us Jesus' reaction. Who can read that? Luke 5.10. Anybody? Go ahead. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, henceforth thou shalt catch me. Did Jesus accept this humble confession of Peter? He did. He did. Did he, did he give him time? I mean, did he, did he say, <laughs> now you realize you're a sinner. Good. Let me let you wallow in it a little bit. He didn't do that, did he? 
immediately. This was Christ's reaction. He fell to his feet. Jesus picks him up. And he says, hmm. He entrusts him in a new task now. Something brand new. He says, Peter can catch men. Catch men? Did Christ talk about that in his sermon? That Peter heard? I don't know. Did the other disciples understand what catching men were? Had there ever been a time where anybody or anything talked about catching men? No. No. This is a brand new concept, catching men. What does catching men mean? Well, we're gonna, we'll find that out as, as, as we follow Christ's life. But of course, as we know, and as we have um, experience now in the Bible, we know what catching men really means. Catching men, mean, men means soul winning. Catching men means preaching. Catching men means teaching. All these uses. Catching men means a Sunday school teacher. Catching men means a wordless book in the hands of a three-year-old. That can be catching men. The three-year-old knows how to use it. So, is it recorded in the Bible up to this time of Peter catching men? No. He caught fish. Is he going to catch men? He is going to. What did Jesus say when he came down from heaven before he actually ascended to heaven? Let's look at Acts 8, Acts 8, Acts 1, excuse me, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Who'll read that for me? Acts 1, verse 8. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Go ahead. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, Christ had talked about a comforter that would come to his disciples. He talked a little bit about that in another, another spot. Now he's talking about who the comforter is. And that's the Holy Ghost. Now, we all know that once we accept Christ into our hearts, who comes to dwell within us? What's that? The Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So, when He comes to dwell within us, does that change our lives? Yes, it does. Does, does it convict us in things that we really never have been convicted about? 
yeah, it does. Because that's his job, and that's who Christ said is going to come until he comes again. When he ascended, he said, I'm going to leave you somebody. Not me, but I'm going to leave you a third part of the Godhead. Now, the third part, now that, that's really difficult to understand, especially for kids or whatever. The Trinity, that's very hard. You could think of an egg, and you could think of the different, the three things of the egg, you know, and that, that kind of that helps. You could think of the idea of a, uh, um, a grandfather, and a grandfather, you know, he, um, he has a grand, you know, he, he's, he, to his grandson, he's grandpa, right? To his, da- to, to his son, he's dad. And to his dad, he's a son. He's one person, right? But he has three different entities. It's kind of fun to think about that. Um, but the Trinity, uh, we won't go all into that that much here. What day did Peter preach his first sermon in Acts chapter 2? It was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish harvest festival. Shavuot is what Shavuot is what it's called. Um, I, I probably totally butchered, butchered that name. Um, the apostles were celebrating this festival when the Holy Spirit descended onto them. Pentecost, this last year, was May twenty third. They still celebrate Pentecost today. This Jewish festival. Um, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches to a great crowd of people. It's Jewish people. Peter's not ashamed of Christ anymore. This is after the denial. And Peter boldly preaches. Now, there's other things that happened, you know. Uh, there was a rushing of the Holy Spirit among the 120 We had the disciples speaking in tongues, actually foreign languages. And everybody was able to hear the gospel in their own language, which is amazing. It doesn't say in Peter's sermon he he spoke in tongues. It doesn't say in Peter's sermon that he spoke all kinds of foreign languages to, to get these people to understand. No, this was this was a different different time, different a, di- a different you know a, you know few few uh, hours later, you might say, that Peter had his first sermon, and he spoke to the Jews, and he spoke to them, and he wanted them to know about this wonderful person that he learned about when he cast one net over the bottom into the water. And the net broke. And he said, wow, what a Savior. What a man. If he can do this for me, what can he do for others? And before this sermon, He was with Jesus three and a half years. 
just learning and developing and getting ready and getting prepared for his first sermon. Did he have other sermons before that? We don't know. It's not recorded. Did the disciples tell others about Christ? I'm sure they did. But it's really not recorded. But it is recorded here that his first sermon was right now. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Who can read that? Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Who read that for me? Go ahead. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Oh, my. What a start. What an introduction. This guy, this is his first sermon, and he starts an introduction like that? Wow. Hey, don't look at me. Look at Christ. Look at this great man who did signs and wonders. Then he talks a little more. And then in Acts 2, verse 37, we'll read that. Yes? Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So, from Acts 2.23 to Acts 2.36 is the sermon that Peter preached. We're not going to go into the sermon that Peter preached, but it's the sermon of salvation. It's the sermon of Christ's life. It's a sermon that it pricked the hearts. It cut through to the heart. Remember earlier in Peter's life, he used a sword, cut off a person's ear. Now he's using the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Peter's audience was cut to the heart. The people in that first sermon, what did they ask? This is kind of interesting. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And let's just go, let's just read Acts chapter 2, 37, all the way through 40. So, um, who want to take all that scripture? Go ahead, Stefan.
And then read 41 also. What was the very first thing Peter said? He said, one, one word, one word, starts with an R. Repent. And then, what was the next act of faith? Be baptized. Some people put those together, and they say you have to repent and be baptized to be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that in the different places of salvation. For instance, Romans Road. You know, it says, call upon me. You know, so when I look at this, I want to look at it as, you know, what does the Bible teach all the time, all together? all through, and it teaches to believe. It teaches to believe in Christ. Now, is there an act of faith after you believe in Christ? It was, and that was to be baptized. You know, in, in many lands, and I, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but in many lands, say Africa, for instance, you can accept Christ, and it doesn't mean a lot to your tribal people. You accepted Christ. Okay, you did that. But once you get baptized, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. That means you have not only accepted Christ, but now you're going that direction now. Accepting Christ in many areas, you know, again, they say, okay. But once you get baptized, that, that's, that's, that's something else. And so it's an act of faith. So their act of faith was the baptism. Why is this important? Because Christ showed us through his own life. Hey. You're saved, you're baptized. You know, just like Philip, you know, saved, baptized. Just many, many different ones in the Bible. It just shows exactly that, that, that idea. How many, how many people are saved this day? 3,000. Hmm, was that, uh, how many fish were caught that other day? We don't know. <laughs> but Peter uh, had quite the fishing trip, didn't he? <laughs> In both instances. You got 3,000 this time. I'd say that was pretty successful. Now, we don't have a lot of time. We have about four or five, ten minutes or so. We talked about... Uh, what, 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 was it, what was an act of faith? What is an act of faith? I was asking Adam to giving a, give a significant spot in his life that an act of faith happened. Adam? 
Oh, wow. Great. Um, and then through that, I, I consider that one of the pivotal moments for me of just kind of growing up a little bit. It just caused me to have to kind of push out. And, uh, I had to preach a lot that summer. I had to really engage with strange people I didn't know. And just do a lot of things that I wasn't comfortable doing. And so I just remember looking back and saying, you know, I, I, I praise the Lord that he pushed me to go, even though I really had no idea how I was going to do it and how the summer was going to come out. He provided Oh, that's great. Good. Who else wants to share an act of faith? Anybody else? We have about uh, five minutes. Who else, who else would have something that they'd want to share? Anybody? Anybody? Your act of faith is actually your salvation, right? I mean, if I asked, you know, who in this group is saved, I'm sure everybody could raise their hands and say, yeah, I got saved. So, you believe in heaven? Really? Um, have you seen heaven? No? No. You heard about heaven, right? You read about heaven, right? You read about the Loch Ness Monster? Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? You read about it. But you do believe in heaven, right? I'd say that's an act of faith. We believe something we haven't seen, haven't heard, only read about. We don't believe in everything because I don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I read about it. I've done studies on it. I, I, th I thought I think it's pretty cool. I've seen fuzzy pictures. I know God says he's made sea serpents. So could this be a sea serpent that we never, never got extinguished? I don't know. Seems like kind of a far-fetched thing to me, doesn't it? Wouldn't the sea serpent have to have babies? Wouldn't there have to be two or three Loch Ness monsters because they'd have to, you know, keep on multiplying? 
I don't know. We believe in heaven. We don't? Yeah. Totally believe in heaven. We believe we're actually going there sometime. Is that an act of faith? Man, some people would say, you're crazy. There's no life after this earth. You just die. But no, we believe. We believe. We have acts of faith. We have acts of faith in our entire life. But that's just a simple act of faith. And we had to say, you know what, Lord? I believe in heaven. I believe I'm going there someday. And because I'm going there someday, I want to do what you want me to do down here. Because I want to show you I deserve heaven, even though I don't. I don't deserve heaven. But I'd sure like to show the Lord I'm trying to. <laughs> catching fish or catching men. Next week, we're going to talk about Peter and uh, his imprisoned experience. And we'll maybe throw another lesson in there, too. Thanks, everybody, for uh, paying attention.